This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the trial over the governor's ban on mask mandates enters its fourth day. A group of parents is challenging the governor's prohibition on mask mandates, and they're asking the tough questions. Part of your research talks about fatality rates, fatality stats. Uh, What would be an acceptable death rate for children? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. A new poll from Quinnipiac shows 60% of Floridians support mask mandates. Two-thirds of them say it's about public health. Only one-third say individual freedom. But don't tell that to the governor. He's still ticked off at the districts that oppose his emergency order. Those school districts are violating state law, and they are taking, they're overriding what the parents' judgment is on this. They talk about mandatory masking, but there is a loophole, of course. All it takes is a note from the doctor. And a Tallahassee physician has just been banned from his hospital for offering those notes for $50 apiece. The governor held another press conference Wednesday to open a Regeneron treatment center, but his medical advisor says don't forget to get vaccinated. I think COVID is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. We really need multiple tools to combat this pandemic. The first one, which is the vaccines, which is really for prevention. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who got his job back after being fired for using the N-word. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting. It's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers, with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at floridaeducationchampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, August 26th. This is Women's Equality Day, National Dog Day, and National Toilet Paper Day. On this date in 1990, two college students were found murdered in Gainesville, Florida. They discovered a third victim the next day, two more the following day. Danny Rowling was convicted of all five murders, and the Gainesville Ripper was executed in 2006. He was the inspiration for the slasher flick, Scream. In 1992, Hurricane Andrew made landfall in Louisiana as a Cat 3 storm after causing deaths and severe damage in Florida. In 2014, Miami-based Burger King agreed to purchase Canadian donut chain Tim Hortons for $11.4 billion. And in 2018, a gamer named David Katz lost at a Madden NFL tournament in Jacksonville, Florida. He returned with a gun, killed two, wounded ten before taking his own life. Lawyers are returning to a Tallahassee courtroom today for closing arguments in the trial over the governor's ban on mask mandates in public schools. On the final day of testimony, Jennifer Rose Gillen of Lee County was called as a witness, an odd strategy because her school board has not opposed the governor's mask order. But she talked as if it had and insisted that masks do more harm than good. So we have a virus that can enter through the eyes, the nose, and the mouth, okay? My greatest concern is knowing all this, that it can go right through. Then we have a child with a mask constantly touching their face, rearranging the mask. They touch a surface. They touch their book, pencil, anything, bathroom door. Then they touch their face. It's inevitable. You're not going to stop touching your face, and especially a child, if you're wearing a mask. Okay? So inevitably... They are much safer not wearing the mask than they are wearing the mask. 
You know, I, again, I outright, I know I'll never speak to the governor in person, probably. Um, so I just want to say thank you, Governor DeSantis, for fighting for our rights, because it is so important. Our American right and freedom to choose for ourselves and our children is huge. The state's chief witness was Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who also believes masks do more harm than good. So the attorney for the parents asked the $64,000 question. How many kids have to die before they rescind the ban on masking? Bhattacharya did not answer. Part of your research talks about fatality rates, fatality stats. Uh, what would be an acceptable death rate for children? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Well, sure. In your in your your writings, your testimony, you talk about a, a metric you rely upon as being a, a fatality indicator. How, how many children uh, would die, or how many adults would die from COVID? And, and I'm asking you, what's an acceptable death rate, in your opinion, for children? I, I mean, I reject the premise of the question. The question is not what's an acceptable death rate. The, the question is what are the trade-offs implicit? If the right way to think about uh, the policy is by comparing the benefits and harms of the policy, not by asking whether some, some uh, you know, sort of one, some lexicographic cutoff and say, if it's above this, then you don't do anything or do something. Um, the right way to do policy is by thinking about the harms versus the benefits, marginal harms versus the marginal benefits. So a policy like masking five-year-olds will have harms to children. You compare that against the benefits, potentially with such as, such as they are, and then make decisions on that basis. Um, I don't think it's right to say what's the right acceptable number of deaths. I mean, that, 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 you know, compared to what? If you look at the harms to children, there could be considerable harms over a long period of time. I didn't cite this in my report, but for instance, restrictions or reductions in schooling have long-term negative consequences on the health and long longevity of children over their entire lifetime. So it's a question of trade-offs, not a question of what's the acceptable level. That's, I reject the premise of your question, sir. In, in that case, what's an unacceptable death rate for children? I'm sorry, I still reject the premise of your question. I don't understand what you're, I don't understand. There's no number I can give you that would be the right number because there is no your question makes no sense in the context of how policy should be done. For someone who testifies quite often, you, you should know that um, you're not in a place to reject the premise of a question. You can answer it. You have that knowledge. You got to answer it. If you can't, you can't. My my question relates to um, when you believe there's a problem with children dying. Does one child die? Is that enough for you? Objection asked and answered and argumentative. Do you know of any child that has died as a result of wearing a mask? I don't know. Do you know of any child that's been hospitalized as a result of wearing a mask? Uh, I don't know of any child that's been hospitalized, but the fact that I don't know is not, not, not the relevant question. The question is, what does the literature say about the effects of mask wearing? Dr. Jacob Oliva, the chancellor of the state's K-12 system, was another witness for the state, and the cross-examination got a bit cross. Chancellor Oliva, based on your experience in education, do you believe Florida's children are safe in school despite not every single student and employee wearing a mask? I think anybody that works in education today would say making sure we have safe, conducive learning environments and a system of care for our students is our number one priority and our number one goal. And we will strive every single day to make sure that every child that we welcome into our campuses 
are in a safe place. In our school districts, our local leaders, our elected officials, our teachers are exemplary, exemplary when implementing those safety protocols and that system of care, which is why Florida is being heralded for so much success with uh, with the way we've been able to welcome our students back and see high levels of student performance is because safety is at the core is a core value of every decision that we make. But what about the fact that students are dying from COVID in Florida schools? That's clearly not success, right? We'd agree that when students get sick or die, that's not success. So you, you, you made a reference about students dying from COVID in schools. I, I'm not familiar with any cases of that happening, and I am not comfortable speaking to that. I'm talking about from an academic lens of running schools, with the guidance and the best practices that we can, that's what we implement. But with blinders to any alternative methods, right? You're, you're, you're misusing my words against me, so I want to be very clear. I am focused in on running Florida schools. I'm not focused on Wyoming. I look at what we can do to make sure our schools are running great. I look at academic advice from other schools. I look at other state standards. I look at their testing protocols. When it comes to navigating through the pandemic, we take our direction from the Department of Health. I'm going to look at other schools on best practices on how to implement that system of care. How do we provide access to counselors, alternative bus routes, great ways to get meals on wheels. I will absolutely look at the best practices, not only just in other states, but around the nation. But if you're asking me about developing protocols for mitigating this pandemic, we take our guidance from the Department of Health. The judge will hear closing arguments from the lawyers today. He's promising a decision on Friday. A 41-year-old Florida teacher whose doctor had advised her against getting vaccinated has died of COVID-19 complications after she was forced to return to in-person teaching with no mask mandate. Kelly Peterson was not vaccinated against the virus because she had leukemia. Her doctor advised against getting the shot in her already weakened condition. Lakeship Elementary School announced her death in a Facebook post on Monday saying she touched hundreds of students' lives and made a lasting impression on us all. There's a new poll from Quinnipiac University that shows Governor DeSantis is a bit out of step with Floridians on his opposition to mandatory masking. 73% think COVID is a serious problem. 61% say it's preventable. 60% support mask mandates. Only 36% oppose it. Meanwhile, 64% say masks are effective in slowing the COVID spread. But the governor, who apparently believes he knows best, will not be swayed by public opinion. And he says the school districts that are requiring masks are breaking the law. Those school districts are violating state law and they are taking, they're overriding what the parents' judgment is on this. There are parents who have kids who have already recovered from COVID over the summer, who have immunity. That's been absolutely demonstrated. And these school districts are saying, no, you have to wear a mask even if your parent doesn't want that. We have five-year-olds and six-year-olds that are being forced to do that against their parents' uh, wishes. And so we have a parent's bill of rights in this state. We think the parents uh, are best situated you know, to make that decision. And if these, uh, these uh, entities are going to violate state law and take away parents' rights, obviously there are, you know, it's the way it works. There, there's consequences for that. They'll continue to be more. And, and I think we'll see that. Uh, but just understand what they are doing. I mean, they are thumbing their nose at the rights of parents. Some of these districts had let parents, had, had honored the ability of the parent, to, and then they're taking it back uh, after, 
you know, being able to do it. So, you know, parents clearly are in the best position to be able to do this. That's what state law says, and I think that that's the, the way to go. But, uh, you know, nobody is above the law, and you can't go above the law and take away people's rights. And that's what they're doing. They're taking away parents' rights, and there will be consequences. I'd be very careful. I understand, uh, respectfully, people in your profession love having kids in mass. I get it, you guys have taken an editorial position on that, very clear. The data doesn't support it. We trust people to make their own decisions in this state. We are not gonna be bludgeoning people with restrictions and mandates and lockdowns or any of that stuff. It hasn't worked, obviously. It has immense cost uh, to society, and so you're gonna be able to, to make those decisions uh, for yourself, and I think our job is to be able to protect your right uh, to be able to make those decisions for yourself. DeSantis was in Sumter County Wednesday to open a new Regeneron treatment center for persons in the early stages of a COVID infection. But give credit to the chief medical officer at the Division of Emergency Management. Dr. Ken Shepke said the only way to move forward is to get vaccinated. I think COVID is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. We really need multiple tools to combat this pandemic. I appreciate the governor's leadership on on adding the the, the second major tool to the first one, which is the vaccines, which is really for prevention. And I know there are a number of uh, folks who are kind of on the fence about whether or not they would get the vaccine because it didn't have full approval yet. It was a little bit new. And I think some of them can be a little reassured now that uh, at least one of the vaccines now has full FDA approval. We've had studies now that show it's safe in pregnancy. It's been around for a year and a half now for some of the folks that were in the original study. So we see really good long term, uh, long uh, term outcome safety data on that. And literally millions of people in Florida and hundreds of millions of people around the world have received these vaccines. And so we've got a lot of good data on it. We have a little more track record. So if you're on the fence, I, like my colleague, would encourage you to go ahead and get that vaccine as the best long term preventive measure. Dr. Shepke also dropped a plug for Regeneron and said it's even good for people who've been vaccinated but still come down with COVID symptoms. One of the biggest misunderstandings about the mask mandates that have been adopted by 10 different school boards in Florida is that they are not absolute. Parents can opt out if they get a note from their doctor. A Tallahassee emergency room physician, Dr. Brian Warden, posted a notice on a statewide anti-masking site inviting Leon County parents to contact him if they needed such letter for $50. There was outrage on social media. The doctor is no longer welcome at Capital Regional Medical Center. The hospital has severed ties with Dr. Warden. Your calendar of events, the Florida Ports Council meets at 7.30 in the morning for the conclusion of a two-day meeting. The Board of Pharmacy meets at 8 in Tampa. Associated Industries of Florida continues its annual conference at 8.30 in Orlando. The Florida Council on the Status of Men and Boys meets online at 9. Transportation Commission meets by conference call at 10. The Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund Advisory Council meets by conference call at 1.30. The Consortium of Florida Education Foundations holds an online panel discussion about retaining and developing top teachers. That's at 3.30. And the North Central Florida Regional Planning Council meets online at 7. Finally today, a black Florida man who was fired for using the N-word is back at work. In March, Devlin White lost his job as a school resource officer at a Tampa high school. However, parents, faculty, and students rallied to his support and convinced the Civil Service Board to reverse the department's position. White was back on the job Tuesday morning. He admits his use of the N-word was a poor decision, but said he wasn't using it as a slur, rather he was speaking more casually with a black student in order to better connect with a student that he was arresting. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.